What does true Christianity look like in today's world? What does it look like to walk as the light in such a dark place? What problems are Christians facing today, both inside and outside the church? Welcome to the podcast that will explore all this and more. Welcome to Heavy is the Crown Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, a fun-filled episode, a knowledge-filled episode of Heavy as the Crown podcast. My name is Mark, and my co-host, Jose, is on the line with us. Jose, what is going on? What's happening, family? Just just another day, bro, living the dream. I hear you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the people that listen to us, obviously, it's been a little bit. It's been a hot minute since we've been been on here. Um, You know, life has has really been busy for both myself and Jose. There's been a lot of uh, work-related things going on, and um, just different things happening. So we, um, we definitely needed to get back on here. We've been trying to, trying to hook up our schedules for a little while to try and make it happen. And cause we're in different time zones and we both work different hours. So, but we finally got it together and, uh, you know, we're going to try our best tonight here. We, we got some notes and, uh, we got some sections we're going to freewheel in <laughs> that we're just going to kind of talk about. So, um, you know, bear with us here. We wanted to make sure we got this episode out. We feel like it's an important episode. So, um, Jose, you got anything to say before we roll into it? I like how you said we got it together. Well, we don't got it together, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I'm trying to try to be positive here, right? I'm trying to, there you go. I, trying, like I want people yes, to, sir. okay. Yeah. We, we got it together somewhat, you know, we're, we're good. We got it together enough to make an episode happen here. So, so let's just, yeah, ju- let's jump. Up, yeah. We're just going to wing it. Exactly. With the Holy Spirit. Amen. Exactly. Well, let's just jump right in tonight. We're going to talk about, um, the power of controlled humility. That's the title of of tonight's episode. And basically, um, you know, something I have in my notes here to kind of talk about the outline, how many times have we seen either ourselves or other Christians use the word of God to, um, kind of what you've said before to slice others, to gain pleasure from that. Mm -hmm. How many times have we crushed others that are our opponents that we feel like are our opponents rather than use humility. Um, our absolute nature as humans is to destroy others that oppose us. And as Christians, we find that one too many times we can go out of our way to drive others into the ground with our words. So that's kind of the outline about what we're going to be talking about tonight, what we should be doing as Christians and how we can kind of catch ourselves here where we don't get caught up into that trap and, um, you know, refocus our efforts where they should be trying to be holy and trying to do things a little bit differently. So I know myself, I can definitely say, you know, in the past, yes, I have gotten into, uh, theological discussions with people and, you know, you start looking through the word you're looking for things to refute what they're saying. And it becomes not an issue of love where we're really trying to show somebody the true word and what, what's really being said here. It becomes, uh, I'm going to show you, where you're wrong and it's going to sting and we exactly we uh we fall into that trap a lot of times because i mean we're we're all human we have that um 
that animal instinct in us, that instinct to uh, want to be right and to uh, want to protect what we've said and to defend what we've said. Um, when really in reality, um, when Jesus would talk to Pharisees or anybody else that he talked to that was opposing him, he used the word and let the word do the work. He didn't have right. to, he didn't have to use the word in a, in a, in a, uh, a different way. He let the word do all the, the cutting for him. He let it, it, um, sink in and it did what it was supposed to do. So, um, you have any thoughts yeah. on that before it, we dive in? Yeah, it's, it's easy to fall into bro. For two reasons, one is is definitely a pride thing. You know what I mean? It's it's a uh, like you said. We're gonna talk about scripture. I'm gonna show you how you're wrong. And and the the other side of that is, we can easily fool ourselves into thinking we're we're doing God's God's work, or or we're, we're us bashing and and slicing people with the word of God. We fool ourselves into thinking. That we're that what we're doing is being bold for Christ, and we're not. We're just we're we're reacting in the flesh, right? And just slapping the name of Jesus on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and it we can be sincere in what we're trying to do and be and still be sincerely wrong. And I think a lot of times when we go when we use the Word of God, not to sharpen a brother or a sister, but to slice them and cut them down, we're in the wrong, no matter how much truth we speak. Right. Right. We're not, we're not supposed to go with the old adage that everybody uses iron sharpens iron. We're not sharpening ourselves to, to poke other Christians, uh, while we're sharp. Um, it's to be able to fully understand the word and discuss with people and let the word show people where they may be wrong or where they may be in an area where they need to improve something or, and we're supposed to do right. those things in, in love. Um, first Timothy six eleven says, but flee from these things, you man of God and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You know, mm-hmm. how many of us can look at that verse? And <laughs> I know I can look at on there and go, Hmm. Yeah, there's, I had that gentleness. I had, I missed the mark on that one. So, you know, and it's not, you know, we're kind of making light of it here because we're talking about it. We want people to feel, you know, comfortable in this conversation. We want you to learn something. We want you to be able to, uh, turn that, um, that focus on yourself to be able to look at yourself and see where you might need to shore some things up and where you might need to do better. Cause that's what we do. We, uh, we turn that lens, that scripture on ourselves and we look at it and, we wonder, you know, have I really followed First Timothy six eleven? Am I following it? Am I following it in conversations at work, uncomfortable conversations with people I may not like, or people that are definitely their intent is to, uh, you know, ruffle your feathers or or slander you or whatever? Are you following that? Are you being uh, gentle? Are you, um, you know, do you have love in your heart? Are you able to do? something else other than blow up at someone. So those are the things that we're after and we're, we're taking a look here. So, um, Hey, what, what verse, what, what, what verse did you just read? First Timothy six eleven. Okay. I just, it brought up to mind, uh, second Timothy chapter two verses 23 through 25. Okay. What are they? It says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. 
Now, when, when you know, before I finish reading this, we're not talking about, you know, we've talked about it before, like foundational truths, you know, core beliefs of Christianity. We're, we're never asking or advocating anybody to to compromise on truth <clears throat> for the for the sake of unity. You know, right, I mean, there's right. things we're not supposed to be united with. Right. But when it comes to the brothers, brothers and sisters, and even the unsaved, you know what I mean? But we'll finish reading this. It says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. See that? I like that part right there. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. That we can we can present biblical truth in such an ugly way that it doesn't matter. At, you know, at some point it becomes, you know what, I'm I'm not I don't care what you have to say because your heart is ugly. Right. And at that point, when when we've allowed the flesh to carry us into that place, then then it doesn't benefit anybody, anything. Right. Regardless if we're reading scripture, you know what I mean? It's, 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 there is no, because it says here in humility. Now you can correct somebody with humility. You know, that's what the word is saying. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So you can have people oppose what you're saying mm-hmm. and still handle it in a humble way. Right. To where they are being edified and not just, because right away, some you know what I mean. We somebody disagrees with something we said. We disagree with something we said, and we automatically jump to a rebuke. Bam! Right, you're a fool. And it's like, dude, you can't. You know what I'm saying? You need to you need to speak with love. Well, well, Jesus called them brood of vipers and snakes. Well, yeah, the difference between you and Jesus. I mean, one of the many differences <laughs> right. between you and Jesus. Jesus had the ability to see people's hearts. He knew exactly where they were coming from. Right. We don't. We don't have that. We don't know that. Yeah, absolutely. So, in, in all things, approach it with humility. It's, even if even if somebody's teaching something that doesn't line up with the Word of God, we have to approach it with humility to be able to, to and discernment and patience and gentleness until we can until we can find out whether they are deceivers. Or if they are just deceived themselves, till we and start, till we start seeing fruits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fruits exactly. are what you're watching for, right? And that takes time. Yep. So, and if they're deceived themselves, then then approach it with humility that God may grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. Right. But we many times we just jump right over that, and we go we go for the we go for the kill shot. You know what I mean? We go for right. the jugular. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things I've got here is that uh, gentleness is something we must consciously put on every day. For me, that's an absolute truth because, you know, a lot of my life, I've been a hothead. Uh, Many people that know me and my family would tell you that, oh, man, he's been a hothead most of his life. But the the (laughs) thing is, is that 
the the more I got into the word, um, the more that I understood what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, it became a lot clearer to me that, you know, that wasn't the right way. That's not, I can't do those things. I can't, uh, I just can't do those things. So, you know, but it is something that we have to consciously put on every day. You know, we have to, we have to make that, that effort. I mean, from the time you get up until the time you lay down, you know, I, I pray in the morning when I get up and I pray at night when I, when I lay down and I try to focus, uh, and pray during the day and, and focus my, um, everything I'm doing on, you know, how am I going to approach it? If something happens here, I know that somebody at my job is probably going to call today and go off and say something and maybe even hang up or something. You know, how am I going to approach that? What am I going to do when that happens? Mm -hmm. So, cause a lot of times by the time that happens, it's already too late. You're already going off. You've already teed off and then it's, it's really too late. Then you've already done it. So now you have to refocus and start all over again. So, for me, it just takes that's consciously every day. I need to be thinking. I walk through it. I think about things, things I might encounter, how, and make a an effort to to approach those differently. So I think we all need to do that. Um, right. So some of the Absolutely. stuff, yeah, got to be intentional with it. Exactly, uh, and we do because we have we live in a in a sinful body. I mean, we you know once as long as we're in this body. We're going to be fighting that. That's something that's, it's always working against you. Your, your body, your, your heart, your, your mind, everything that's going on in the world and everything you're the bombarded flesh. with. The flesh is just always, always going to be trying to battle you. So you have to make a conscious effort to, to try and do these things. So um, some of the things we're going to talk about are restrained strength, um, humility of heart, abundant forgiveness, gracious responses, and denial of self. All of those things uh, fall under the power of controlled humility. That's controlling what you're doing, um, consciously thinking about, you know, restraining, even though you might have the strength to do something, even though you might have the, the, the right answer. Uh, a lot of times, even though you have that right answer, it's probably going to cut somebody because of what the conversation mm -hmm. that's going on it might not be the exact right moment for you to give that right answer. You might need to let a few things stew a little bit and let some other things be said before you say what you need to say, or you need to think it through. There's That's some, wisdom. Yeah. There's some things that we need to, to look at. So, um, you know, let me ask you this, cause I know you've spoken on this before just because we're, you know, we're supposed to be gentle. We're supposed to restrain our strength. We're supposed to have humility abundant forgiveness, gracious responses, all these things. Does that mean we're soft on sin or that we're cowards in the face of no. error? When, when, when people are obviously in error, like on critical core issues that the church is supposed to believe, uh, are we supposed to shrink back from speaking the truth? Absolutely not. I think we've, you know, we've come, We've come to a place in Christianity where we sweep too many things under the rug and try to say that it's in the name of love. Yeah. And, and, and the truth is, you can't. We can't. We, we are never called to compromise on truth. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's. We start to, when we go down that road, we end up with heretical beliefs. Um, 
absolutely unbiblical beliefs. And no, it's just, that's, okay, Jesus gave two commandments, right? First one was love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second one was love your neighbor as yourself. When we, and there's a reason Jesus gave that order, and gave it in that order. When we flip that mm-hmm. to where, well, look, you just got to love on people. No. I mean, yes, but we're called to love God first. Right. And if we disregard God and what he has said, you can do things. You can you can try and do something and have it come from a good place and it be absolutely wrong. Right. And if we were and if we were to swap those two things around to where we love our neighbor first and then love God, what we're doing is committing idolatry, number one. And number yeah. two is, you know, the reason Jesus gave it that order, number one, is to protect us from idolatry. But two, only when I love God with everything that I am, can I properly love my neighbor? Right. But we can't we can't compromise on truth for the sake of love because you know so many people on that day are going to stand there and have to give an account for why they disregarded the word i mean the truth disregarded the truth truth. is love the truth is love right absolutely and 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 for the sake of love and we're going to say well it's just it wasn't kind a lot of times truth isn't kind you know what i mean it's it's and it's always to you the can, person that doesn't want to hear it. That's that's the one that's unkind right. too. So, and one of the things that you hear a lot is, "Well, I can't judge." The Bible says, "Don't judge." No, the Bible says, "Don't be a hypocrite." Right. But if I if I come to a brother and I said, "Dude, you you clearly have a drinking problem." Right. Okay. You drink you you drink every day, bro. You get drunk every day. You go for work, bro. You're an alcoholic, and you have a drinking problem. Right. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what it is. Right. You're, you know state, I mean? you're stating but, the but fact now, of what you're seeing based on the fruit that they're producing. Right. But now it's like we can't. We have so many Christians believing you can't say anything. Because if you, if you say something, if you call something out, then you're not loving. One of the most loving things you can do is call somebody out. One of the most. One of the most loving things you can do, despite what modern Christianity says, is is confront the sin in your brother's life. How can I how can I see my brother going down this road and not say nothing to him, and then and then claim that I love my brother? Well, these I are can't. these are things that make weak Christians, that make weak congregations, that that uh, have infiltrated and and uh in the church and have caused a lot of a lot of problems so um yeah we've gotten to a point where we're we not we don't want to hear that kind of truth we're fine hearing the pastor talk about something behind the pulpit and we're real easy to dismiss it and say oh that's not me he's not talking about me he can't be talking about me that's not me and um but you know we we don't want to uh we don't want to face those things so um yeah those are all good points um Let's let's hit this first one. Restrain strength. I have a I have some scriptures on here and some notes, so we'll just kind of throw these out here and see where we go with them. Um, Mark fourteen forty six shows us where Jesus is presented as a lion 
restraining its strength and acting like a lamb. Jesus willingly submitted to this act of physical violence because he knew these events were preordained to happen. This can be said of all the mocking, shaming, and violence that was done to Jesus. So in Mark 14, 46, it says they laid hands on him and seized him. So when when they came to get Jesus, you know, it wasn't a, uh, hey, would you come with us? It wasn't a pretty a pretty thing. There was some some violence going on. There was some angst. There was some anger. There was a lot of different things going on. Now, knowing he was who he was, obviously he had the strength to do what he needed to do about that, but that was preordained. That needed to happen. He knew that needed to happen. So that is a, a classic example of restrained strength. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. (laughs) So absolutely. And it brings to mind the word meekness, meek, you know, it's strength under control. Right. So yeah, just because, you know, one of the coolest, it was powerful illustration, you know, drawing that I saw, but it, uh, it's a picture and it's split in two, you know, top half, bottom half. And it shows Jesus walking on the Via Dolorosa carrying the cross. And He's got his hand up, you know, like kind of like a like a stop motion. Yeah. And the top half, the top half of the picture, it's depicting heaven and angels, you know, ready to draw their sword out, and he's and he and he's holding them back. And, and to me, that says, like you were talking about, he had he absolutely had the ability, right, to stop whatever was happening. You know, he told Pontius Pilate, "Hey, my, my kingdom is of this world." You know what I mean? Right. So it absolutely he could have called down, you know, the angels whenever he wanted to and, and put a stop to it. But his love for the father, his obedience to the father made him. Oh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't do what he wanted to do because he knew what God wanted him to do and, and who God called him to be and what God called him to do. He knew what was required. And I think a lot of times required of yeah. him because of who he was. Right. There you go. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times I think we, we, we miss that. Absolutely. We are required. We are called to live a certain way. Right. To, to not react in the flesh when something happens, but something, something bothers us, something rubs us the wrong way. And, and we, we, we quickly forget who we're called to be, right? who we are called to reflect, if that's the word I'm looking for. Right. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, yeah. Let's let's use an example for people, just to put it in perspective without using a, the scripture portion as an example. Let's put it into everyday, um, you know, stuff that we can look at here. How many times, you know, there may be somebody here listening that's in a position of power. Maybe they're a supervisor. Maybe they're a president of a company. Um, you know, they, in some way, shape, or form, they hold power over other people, um, whether they ha- keep a job and, you know, tell them what to do and all these different things. Um, how many times have people like that uh, had power over other people and just absolutely crushed them verbally, physically, whatever, because just because they can? Um, the power that our position affords us a lot of times 
can put us in that position where we abuse that authority and we and we uh, we do not show restrained strength. So um, just because we may hold an advantage over someone doesn't mean that we should always use it, especially, and this is the key, especially if our heart and our motives are not right. So that's another thing we need to do. We need to examine our heart. We need to know that, you know, if you're sitting there and somebody did you wrong years ago and now you're their supervisor and you're just waiting on them to, to make a mistake so you can pounce on them and fire them or whatever, your motives in your heart are not right. Uh, you should have been for, you should have been approaching that person and y'all should have been seeking forgiveness. You should have been talking about that. Um, but your motives in your heart are not right for that. So those are the kinds of things we're talking about. We need to really, I think that's probably the key. That's probably the, the ground floor of what we're talking about. We need every day. We need to be inspecting our heart and our motives. I think a lot of times, a lot of times if we're honest with ourselves, when we do, you know, like just the word lash out just paints a different picture. So I don't know that I want to use lash out, but more times than not, I will say, when we do jump on somebody, it is very, very rarely a right because of righteous. Uh, how can I word this? It isn't coming from a righteous place, right? You know what I mean. Sometimes, sometimes you you are called to stand up and 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 speak painful truths to people. But most of the time, when we do that, if we're honest with ourselves, it isn't coming from a righteous place. And why? Because we, our hearts and our motives aren't in the right place, right? So, I mean, what should drive us to restrain ourselves? I've got a few notes here, you know, that talk about the desire to have patience with others. We should, we should desire that. That's part of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be patient with people. And man, I can tell you, patience is definitely something that I I struggle with in a lot of areas of life. It's just always been something that I've struggled with. And, but I have really made a lot of strides lately um, with people, uh, that I deal with every day or in my life or just people I don't even know in general in public where I have, um, you know, I have, I've worked on my patience with people, worked on my patience while I'm driving, worked on all these different (laughs) things that, that go on. Plus we should have a desire to be like Christ. You know, if we're, we're truly born again and we're, we're saved and, and, um, we should be seeing that desire to be like Christ. We should have a desire to want to show the fruits of the spirit. That should be something that, Absolutely. that is on our hearts and, and, uh, proficient. And we see in our lives every day, uh, the desire to put those things into practice, uh, that we read about in the Bible. That's another one. Um, you know, it, this isn't just a book of, of stories and suggestions. This is a, this is the manual. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is the, it, it shows you, uh, what happens if you don't, if you do this, this is what happens. If you don't do this, this is what happens. This is what you should be striving for. This is what you should be like. These are the traits that you should have. Um, you know, the righteous person shows their strength through wisdom. Um, you know, that's just, you, you'll get wisdom. The further you go along, you can pray for wisdom, but the more that you practice these 
fruits of the spirit, you know, that, and it's, I, I say practice, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's deliberate, like it's some kind of work or something. When your heart's in the right place and you're truly saved and you're really living for the kingdom, these are things that you should see come naturally. These aren't things right. that should be something that's just has to be forced. Um, right. No, I think it's, that's exactly where I went right now in the Bible. Um, I think it's a fine line, bro, because yes, the desire to do these things should come naturally and will come naturally. The ability to do these things and to exercise these fruits, display these fruits, I think does take pay, uh, practice. You know what I mean? Um, somebody can say something and, and you you start to pop off yourself and you don't finish your thought you don't finish your sentence you know what i mean okay that that okay i'm trying i'm trying to to be more patient i'm trying to give grace you know next time somebody pops off you may have that thought right but you don't begin to pop off why because i'm i'm trying to be better at this you know what i mean and the more that we do these things where we prefer, I mean, I, I don't know what other word to use other than practice. The more that I practice biting my tongue, right, the easier that it's going to become. The desire for me to to not pop off at all, yeah, is there. I think the word, a good it, word, would be the more that you incorporate that in your life every day. What you're seeing in the Bible, the more you incorporate that in everything that yep. you do every day then it's going to start to to take a little bit more and it's not going to eventually when you do that every day it it doesn't become a, a task so to speak it just becomes secondhand it becomes natural you just do it naturally and something else i'm reminded of i, I put a scripture in here because this is a good one to remind ourselves titus 3 3 for we also once were foolish ourselves disobedient deceived enslaved to various lusts and pleasures spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. I mean, that, that, that very scripture right there tells you why you should be gracious to other people. Yes. Why? Because you were just like that. At some we point. were once foolish ourselves. We were once, you know, um, we were totally lost like that. We were totally doing all of those things. So um, definitely it's, that's another thing in retrospect that we need to be looking back. We need to, Turn that lens of scripture back on ourselves and and look back and say, man, you know, I didn't I didn't show that person much grace, but you know, the same thing that I'm griping at them about, I used to do myself. <laughs> exactly, bro. That that I believe that is one of the reasons why I'm able to give grace when to certain people when others may find it a little harder. It's because I know who I used to be. You know what I mean? I know I know that I can look at this person through the lens of the flesh and see them a certain way. Right. But if if I was to, you know, aside from Christ, in the eyes of God, I'm no different. You know what I mean? And, and that's why I tell people all the time is that, look, us as believers, we, we, are, we aren't any better than anybody else. But us as believers, we should know better. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and and that scripture you just read right there, you were, whatever it is, you were once an enemy of God. 
at the, at the very least, they're an enemy of God. You, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Absolutely. The apostle Paul said, the apostle Paul said, I have become all things to all men. That I try, I take that as I will do what I have to, to meet somebody where they need to be met, to give them grace and give them the truth and give them love and give them the gospel that they may be reconciled to God. That's a great segue into my next note here that I had written. Just as we see the execution sentence of sinners stayed due to common grace afforded to us by God, giving us the opportunity to repent, we too should be extending common grace to others around us. If absolutely, you know, I mean, if 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 God's extending that to us and said, you know, you were you were once right where this person's at, and yet here you are. Um, Isaiah 48, 9, I have a couple of scriptures to go with that. Isaiah 48, 9, for the sake of my name, I delay my wrath. And for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. And another one is Second uh, Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So we have a very gracious father who has afforded us a great deal of grace to and forgiveness and an opportunity to repent. Like we talked about, I mean, that's, you know, but we're so quick to dismiss that with other people. Um, and I, I, that's just, you can only attribute that to human nature and to a, a sinful flesh that wants to do what it wants to do and would prefer to throw that out the window and throw judgment on that person and uh, throw them under the bus and throw them to the wolves because that's the what your flesh, that's bro. what your flesh wants to see. Yep, the flesh and, and how quickly we forget. Yeah, we were enemies of God. Absolutely, it's and that comes from self righteousness. You know what I mean? At some point, we go from. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And if we're not careful, we can we can drift across that line to where we forget that it was by grace. Right. You know what I mean? We forget that it was by grace. Well, you know, and, and we and we come to a place where we are like the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, and we stand there, we literally stand there, whether we say it with our mouths or not, we say it with our attitudes. Hey, Lord, I go to church every Sunday. Lord, I stopped doing this. Right. I, I I pay my tithe. And most of all, I'm glad I'm not like that dude right there. And that is that is the ugliness of self-righteousness. And the whole time God's like, but your heart is ugly. <laughs> right. Right. Your now. heart is ugly. Your heart is very at ugly. At that point, right there, yeah. You can you can at that point, you've missed the whole thing, bro. Right. I'm gonna read this. Uh I shared this the other day. It's second Corinthians chapter five. I'm going, to, I'm going to read beginning of verse 17 because verse 17 is a very popular saying, not saying, a very popular verse that a lot of people use, and, and it is a great verse. But when we read a little farther, we understand exactly who we're called to be. It's a beginning of verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
I'm gonna read 16 actually because oh you know what I'm gonna read 14. It says, for the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's where people stop, right there. Verse 17. But the rest of the verses say, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Him, to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. As if God, as though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 20, ending in verse 21, it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. To the to the to the to the self-righteous, I would I would say, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for you, to put it in perspective, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For perspective, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. There's nothing that we did. Nothing that we did that can merit reconciliation with God. And if there's nothing that we did to, to merit reconciliation with God, how can we have the audacity to stand on this side of salvation, being saved, and look at somebody a certain way, when aside from Christ, we are no different? Blows my mind, bro. Yeah. Well, that that's another good segue. You know, the next little point. Segway, Jose. Yes. That's they call me. You, you, you nailed it. <laughs> The next part that we were going to talk about here is the hum humility of heart. And it talks about, you know, this humility of the heart stands in contrast to it's different than pride and arrogance. It's the opposite end, right? Uh, right. Hu humility is defined as the personal quality of being free from arrogance and pride and having an accurate estimate of one's own worth. I mean, we have to know, you know, who we are and, and, who we are is who we were saved from who we were. You know, we are a different, it's just like you said, we are a different person. Now we, we, uh, we shouldn't have this pride and arrogance that, that, uh, that's just the opposite of having humility and having a heart of humility. So I know you had talked earlier about, um, a little bit about humility. You wanted to talk. I have several notes on that as well. So you want to talk a little bit about humility in in the heart? We are this new creation. Yeah. And we shouldn't have pride. Yeah. We are new creation. We, we, uh, we shouldn't have pride or arrogance. You know, what, what, um, you know, what should we be telling people about humility of the heart? How does that, how does that work? I, I can tell you in one of my notes here, I did a little bit of looking at it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. How about I just go over those two real quick? In the Old Testament, humility 
was closely associated with individuals who were poor and afflicted. The quality of humility is connected to Israel's experiences as slaves as well as being a poor and afflicted people. The Hebrew word translated as humility is similar to another Hebrew word meaning to be afflicted. So what we saw about humility in the Old Testament was the fact that God wanted a humble spirit and not outward sacrifices. But in the New Testament, the life of Jesus Christ provides us the best example of what it means to have humility. And I have a bunch of scriptures here that we can throw out there for people to look at. Jesus preached and taught on humility, and I'll give scriptures for that. Anyone who wanted to live by kingdom standards was encouraged to practice humility. So, you know, humility was a great a thing that that Christ taught and and walked out and was an example of. Um, in the New Testament, um, Christ provided an example of what it means to have humility in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 1 Corinthians four twenty one, Philippians two one through eleven. You can look at those. Um, Let's see. He also preached on humility in Matthew 23, 12, where he said, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. He taught in Mark 9, 35. Sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He taught mm-hmm. about it in Luke 14, 11, Luke 18, 14. Um, in Matthew 18, 1, um, Matthew 23, 12. I mean, there's just a lot of scriptures in the Old and, and New Testament where you see um, talking about what it means to have humility. Um, so a person with humility, for example, doesn't look down on others. <laughs> we don't. Right. We're not supposed to look down on others. We're not supposed to look down on on other people because of their circumstances. Um, you know, in that, in that case, we're supposed to be helping those people. That's the, that's the whole thing. We're supposed to be, um, being a servant to those people, helping those people that are in need. Um, and we find that that's, that's just a hard thing to find these days with a lot of people. A lot of people just don't, don't help anybody. Don't do anything. They just kind of live their own life and go through life from one event to another. And, and, um, I've seen people, I I saw some people in Houston one time walk by a guy outside of a grocery store. It was hot outside. And that guy was laying down and was sick. And it looked like he was very malnourished. He was homeless. He was dirty. I mean, he, he looked in bad shape. I, I wasn't sure if the guy was breathing, but you know what? I sat and watched from my car <laughs> and to see what people were going to do. There were people that literally walked over that guy and didn't even check on him, just walked right over him. Like he was a speed bump. I went over there and checked on the guy, sat with him, bought, brought him some food, got him a big old thing of water. And you know, he wasn't even hardly able to hold the water down. He really probably needed an ambulance, but it's just, um, it's it's kind of horrifying to watch people these days. There is no humility in a lot of people. Um, we definitely live in a in a wicked world and a wicked generation. Um, you know, talk a little bit about humility of heart from your perspective. What you think? <clears throat> humility of heart. Let me give it a sec so you can chop it up. 
humility of heart. It's just, it, it goes back to, I mean, we live in a cold world, bro. You know what I mean? And, and humility isn't really a natural characteristic of man. You know what I mean? One of the scriptures you, you, you talked about, I, I had written it down here, was uh, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. We live in a world, bro, where if it's not going to benefit me, I don't know if I want to help you or not. Oh, you know, man. I, yeah. I can help you, but but what what am I going to get out of it? What? Yeah, yeah. What's a, what's you know in what it I mean? for me? What what's yeah? What's in it for me? Right. But, you know, going on, it says, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest." but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal to God. The only person who had the right and the place and the authority to be, to walk around calling people names, to, to walk around Telling people how how dirty and, and and wretched and depraved and lost and carnal and all these things that that a lot of times if we catch ourselves walking out in the flesh, we're quick to tell other people. Right. The only one that had the right to do these things, not just the ability, the right, the God given right to do these things, did not. That that is the example that we should that we should strive to follow. Right. You know what I mean? It's you see it on Facebook a lot, and, and you know I, I hate I don't like the way people use this story a lot because it's it's used to condone certain things. But it, it is true in the sense when it talks about the woman caught in adultery, and it says the only one who had the right to throw a stone didn't. Yeah, and 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 we forget that, bro. We forget that. But it, it when we when we see the the dude laying there sick on the sidewalk, our first mind is our first thing. One of the first things that come to mind, if we're not careful and we're not guarding our hearts, is, well, I bet you he's on drugs. Right. Well, I didn't tell him to put that needle in his arm, did I? Walk right over him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you don't like you don't like the effects. You shouldn't be doing drugs, buddy. Bro, that's ugly. Yeah, it is. At, at some at some point, I mean that that's that's somebody's son. That's that's somebody's brother. God forbid that's somebody's dad. Right, absolutely. You know, and and we forget, bro, we forget. Jesus didn't come. I heard this the other day. I heard this actually this morning. And it said God does not justify good people. And I heard it, and I thought about it. I was like, huh. God doesn't justify good people. Meaning what? Number one, there are no good people. Right. Two, if, if you were good, you, you wouldn't need justification. The only category of people there is is broken people in need of a Savior. Absolutely. That brokenness could look different on, on, on everybody. There's two categories, I should say. There's 
saved by grace through faith and, and, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that nobody can boast or have this ugly attitude of, I somehow deserve to be on this side of it. Mm-hmm. And imperfect, broken people. Right. But but we forget that, bro. We forget that. We forget we forget the gutter that God graciously scooped us out of. Yeah, we're because we've been we're quick to forget on this side of it, maybe. We're quick to forget yeah. circumstances that we came from when you're not in them because you have a different now you have a different perspective, you have different motives, you have different things you're looking at in life. You're not looking back at those things. And then when you don't look at those things and you see somebody else that's struggling with that, I think internally it it disgusts you and it and it probably scares people. It probably reminds them of something they don't want to be reminded of. And so the first thing they do is they lash out at that. And they have a negative uh a negative words yeah. for that. So, you know, um Something uh, I had another scripture here, James four six. God resists those who are proud, but provides grace to those who are humble. Um, if we are concerned about our humility and making sure that we are practicing it, then we will not be concerned with our prestige. Um, let's see. Let me look. I had a couple of other scriptures. I think it was Romans 12, 16 and second Corinthians 11, seven Romans 12, 16 says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. <laughs> don't, don't have that pride. Don't look down on others. Don't, don't think you're something that you're not because you came from, you came from something that wasn't pretty. <laughs> so, we need to exactly we need to remember those those things um let's see um, scripture here yeah go ahead from ephesians ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 and this this is i mean this is you know when it's dealing with believers but it says let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers One of the one of the greatest gifts. I'm not talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about gifts of the spirit. Meaning, one of the ones that's overlooked, I think, a lot, and we don't realize the impact it can have on people, is the gift of encouragement. Yeah. Brighten, you know, we almost have that mentality, days. like yeah. We we almost have that mentality, like you know, a, a, a boss or something. This is a when you, if I don't say nothing to you, then you're doing a good job. When you're doing a bad job, I'm gonna tell you about it. And, and it goes, it goes. In construction, we have this saying that says, "Happy workers produce more work." You know what I mean? And it's and, and it's the same, it, it's the same principle, right? With people, you'd be surprised how far the word of encouragement can go with people. Well, I don't care if they're lost or not. Yeah, it's. That that goes to where we're, we're what we're placing value on, in other people, and what we're placing value on in ourselves. What we're trying to accomplish, um, the Apostle Paul had a high value on gentleness and humility. I was reading through some scriptures, 
when he was dealing with those that had that had erred or had erred spiritually in first Corinthians four twenty one, he says, What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Galatians six one Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one mm-hmm. looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Second Timothy 2.25, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. I mean, you know, we're seeing Paul, he's, He's placing a high value on gentleness and on dealing with with people because I think he knows when you meet them where they're at a lot of times and you and you're you're more gentle with them and you're you're just um you're not forcing being forceful about it or whatever you're able to crack through that that uh that hard shell you're uh you know they may not have even seen that coming <laughs> so right. yeah if Paul placed a high value on that, then we should be definitely uh, looking at that because we know God is going to exalt those who are humble. He's going to bring low those who are proud. That's just, that's what the Bible says. That's that's what we know right. to be true. So we are to strive to be humble. Um, we are to strive at, uh, in everything we do to have humility and, and have a heart that, uh, that that aches for people and wants to help people, um, you know that's that's one of the things that we should be really focusing on in, in our walk is all these different fruits of the spirit things that we should be seeing. If we're not seeing those, I mean, we should really be holding ourselves to the fire here and saying, you know, when I read this scripture, is that me? Am I? <laughs> am mm-hmm. I? Do I fit into that? Can I say, or would somebody else say that they see that in me? And if right. the answer is no, if they're not seeing those things in you, then you know you, you might have some work to do somewhere, and that's that's something that we all deal with. You know, that's that's an ongoing thing that is that is us going through the process and walking it out every single day. That's that's why I talk about self examination a lot, bro. You know, at, a lot of times if we're sitting in church and we hear something that the pastor says, and the first thing that comes to mind is, man, so-and-so should listen to this, you know, or they'll say something and it's like, man, mm-hmm. I feel like I know who he's talking about. Right. If, if our first thought is always about somebody else, uh, we're not, we we're not missing something. Right. Right. We we should be always be looking at ourselves first, and I and I guess it kind of goes back to what I've said before. If you're if you got your nose to the grindstone in the kingdom and you're doing kingdom work and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know you're not going to be. What's the best way to put this? You're not going to be really concerned or really those are going to be peripheral things that are happening around you. You're not going to be laser focused on, you know, what Sister Betty over there is constantly doing. If you're taking care of your business. And watching what you're doing, staying in the word, mm-hmm. helping the uh, you know the weak, uh, serving you know your community, doing all these different things. When you do those things, you you don't fall into all the miscellaneous stuff that goes on in churches, the legalism, the 
traditionalism, the, uh, you know, Sister Betty did this. Did you hear that? You don't fall into that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's important right. for us to, to do that. So, um, what do you have anything else to say about that? Did I cut you off? I'm sorry if I did. <laughs> no, no, you're good, bro. Um, I will say this though. I, just, I heard this, uh, this quote that said, if your life isn't characterized by love, you're not in the kingdom and I don't care what you say. And I was like, man, that's one of them. Did Paul Washer say that? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually John MacArthur. Okay, well, I, I felt Paul like one of my favorites, it though. sounded like it might be a Paul Washer quote. You know, I fully expect I Paul Washer to talking about you. Yeah, <laughs> fully expect Paul Washer to pull out the uh, the the Matrix quote where he looks at you and he just stares at you for about five minutes and then he says in the microphone, "Do you think that's air you're breathing?" <laughs> <laughs> so um another point that i've got here abundant forgiveness oh man do we have abundant forgiveness um we should we should yeah, absolutely um john's baptism was for repentance and forgiveness of sins um let's see i have some scriptures here too the idea of that is also seen in Matthew 1, 21. Uh, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Luke 1, 77, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. So, you know, by forgiveness of sins, we're talking abundant. Obviously, that's abundant forgiveness. Um I don't know what else we can say about abundant forgiveness. That's bro. I dude, There was this, I don't even know if I talked, I talked about this with somebody. I think it was a Bible study. I was watching this video and I may have talked to you about it. Uh, during one of our video chats or something, but this, uh, this guy was, was speaking on stage and he, and he looks over and he goes, Hey bro, come here, come here real quick. Come stand next to him. And, uh, he says, he says, hey, do you guys know who this man is right here? He said, this is my right-hand man right here. He says, you know who he is? And, and you know, the crowd's clapping because he just brought his friend on stage, and he goes, this is the man that murdered my son. Oh, I, I do remember you telling me about this. The guy tours with the guy that, that murdered yeah, his son. Everything yeah. went quiet, bro. And he's like, this man murdered my son. And he says, he says, I used to be about that street life. He says, I had people come to my door and say, dude, give me a name and we'll put that dude in a hole. And he was praying about it because he had already given his life to God. And he was saying he was angry and he was saying, Lord, you know, he felt God say, you have to forgive this man. And he said, Lord, how, how am I supposed to forgive this man? He killed my son. And he said, and he felt the Lord tell him, I know they killed mine too mm. and you know and he goes on to talk about it he says he says now this man is my right hand man he's one of my best friends and yeah we, we go they tour and they talk about they preach on forgiveness right and it reminds me of this song that Matthew West did it's called forgiveness and it, and it, and it, it talked about 
it, it was inspired by the story of a, of a mother who had lost her daughter to a drunk driver. And she went and she spoke on behalf of the kid that was driving and asked for him not to get a life sentence and, and not to not basically not to lose his life in the system. Right. And now and now they them two they tour and and speak on forgiveness to share the story. And we have number one, we have God who gave his son, knowing that so many people would reject. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We'll reject. Are we obligated to forgive? I got a scripture that says, yes, we are. I know there's probably some people that probably think, I don't know. That person hurt me 15 times already. And, and they've been hurting me all my life. And, you know, are we obligated to forgive that person? As Christians? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that mean though? Why? But that doesn't mean you have to let that person keep running you over in your life. Forgive. See, that's where. See, people say forgive and forget. You, you're never going to forget, bro. Um, a, I, I once read a forgiven person is a forgiving person. He who has was forgiven much forgives much. Kind of like you know, scripture says, "She who, man." She who is loved much, loves much. I forgot how I said it. But, yeah, when, when, so forgiveness and reconciliation don't always go hand in hand. Right. Ideally, yeah, you know what I mean? But realistically, no. You know, there's a, if somebody hurt one of my kids, I will forgive you. Right. Does that mean you're coming over for the barbecue on Sunday? No, you're not. No. Well, you did you say barbecue. I mean? <laughs> I made, you know, different kind of barbecue. Different kind of barbecue. <laughs> you yeah. Know, are are I you invited you. to the function on Sunday? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Right, right. You know, um, but yeah, you know, a forgiven person is a forgiving person. Yeah. And when we see the the love that Jesus showed us. It's mind-blowing to me, his expression of love. When he's on the cross, right, he just got oh, yeah. flogged right. and, and pierced and crucified, bro, mocked and beat and spit on and right. humiliated. And there, it's not like the, this thought came to him later after everybody left, but as they're all still standing there, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah, that's the ultimate right there. So if God was a holy God can, does, and will forgive sinful men, right? How can we as, as broken people hold it, hold it against each other so much that we will not forgive? Right. I think Jesus even shows us that. I think when that happens, Go ahead. Go ahead and finish. I that when that happens, we forget just how much we've been forgiven for. Right. Of, I mean, how much we're forgiven of. You know what I mean? It's, it's, well, okay, well, but I wasn't that bad. Bro, we're talking about a holy God. There's no such thing as that bad. It's bad, period. 
So if God in his grace and mercy not only forgives you, bro, like like doesn't destroy you. Yeah. But he opens his home and adopts you and you become part of the family. How can we truly sit here and say that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness? We should say we don't deserve forgiveness. Right. And we should say Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also mm. should you. That's pretty plain yes, English sir. Uh, there. That's there's nothing that you can read in that and be like, well, I don't think it says that. I think it's it. No, it, it says what it's supposed to say. It says what it says there, bud. That's right. Exactly. And be kind. Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, we, we know that forgiveness is in there, and that is the big thing. And that is, that's another thing people struggle with. You know, that's another thing you have to be, all these things we're talking about, you just have to be conscious about them. You have to be applying them in your life and thinking about them constantly in your life because, um, you know, these are things that you're faced with every single day. Um, and I get it. I get the struggle. It's one thing to say, you know what? I'm just not at a place where I can forgive this person. That's cool. God, hey, that right there still leaves a door open for God to work. But when you say, I will not, I refuse. You just hardened your heart. That That's, yep. That's a horse of a different color right there, bro. Right. Exactly. The last two things that I have on here is gracious responses and denial of self. Um, you know, I have a couple of Psalms for gracious responses, but I mean, we can just kind of wing it on these two. I mean, obviously gracious responses, um, full of compassion, you know, we need to be mindful of, of what we say to people, how we say it. It's kind of like you said, uh, in this day and age, a lot of times it's easier to talk to somebody on the phone or face to face rather than to text them your response. Because when they mm -hmm. read it in the text, it's probably going to come off differently than if you would just tell them <laughs> and they actually heard it from oh, yeah. you. So it's like, well, where's, where's my emoji? Are right. You mad? Right. Exactly. Where the caps mean? Are they yelling at me? Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah, we should be, uh, we should be conscious, uh, of, of our responses and they should be gracious. Um, you know, a lot of times that might mean, a gracious response might mean even though you're right about something and you're having a discussion with somebody, especially if it's in front of other believers or non-believers, the gracious response might be to just bow out of that conversation and try and revisit that another day. Or, uh, you know, the gracious response uh, and denial of yourself of what you really want to do, that that is, you know, you need to deny what you want to do what yourself and what your, what your, your feelings are, and what you want to do. It might just be best to walk away at that point and revisit it another day. Um, you know, maybe that's the smart response. Maybe 
that response, that gracious response speaks more volumes than if you'd have talked for another hour about it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's a lot of, uh, you know, these are just common sense things. I think that we're, we're talking about here, but for a lot of people, these common sense things are, they may seem common sense, but they're not so common <laughs> among people. They're not so common, bro. Yeah. So, um, really to be honest with you, man, those, I think we've hit on a lot of that stuff. Um, gracious responses. I don't really know of anything else than, you know, other than what I just said, we just need to be cognizant of what we're saying to people and how we're responding. Um, you know, there may be a certain way that we need to respond to that. Maybe, maybe rather than just belting out 15 scriptures and beating them over the head with the Bible, you use a gracious response that, talks about a struggle that they're struggling with that you once struggled with and how you overcame that. Maybe, maybe telling them about that and how you overcame that is, is exactly what they need to hear uh, when they weren't really responsive to you saying, well, you know, this verse, this verse, and this verse says that if you don't do this right here, that you're this, or this is going to happen to you. That's a little, to a lot of people, they just, they don't know how to uh, process that. I've found right. in talking to people doing street ministry and things throughout the years that the way to get into a person's heart and the way to to open the door for a person to genuinely listen to you and and probably really have a true encounter with with God is to be able to speak to them on a level where you are placing yourself kind of on the um, like I don't tell them what a horrible person they are for, you know, obviously they're, they're struggling with alcohol because you're sitting there talking to them and they're oblivious. You know, they've just been drinking all day or, or they have track marks on their arm. It's very obvious that they right. are a, a user, but they already know that they don't need me to tell them that what, what they might need to hear is, Hey, I, I came through that. I came through exactly what you're doing or, Hey, this guy right here with me. He came through that. He made it through that. This mm-hmm. is how he made it through that. This is what we, what he came to the realization about. And, you know, he struggled, I'm not going to lie to you. He struggled. You know, people want to hear uh, certain truths in there and they want to know that you're sincere and they can see right through you. So a gracious response a lot of times is better than a, um, you know, dropping a hammer <laughs> on somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus said, Jesus told us to be wise as serpents and harvest as doves. You know, a, a, a response to a believer, a response to a non-believer is the same. Lead with grace. You know, Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 5, it says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each one. We, the, there should be a mutual submission, you know, a, a mutual selflessness toward one another. The Apostle Paul said, I became all things to all men. Now, this is the saying, well, hey, if you want to go minister to the drunk, you need to go have a beer with him. That's not what it's saying. But be willing to meet them wherever they need to be met, how they need to be met. You know what I mean? A lot of, you know, a lot of times because 
people because of their history, they will not come to church. Or do we love them enough? Does the love of Christ compel us enough to go and take the church to them? And that's that's really the the question that the church is facing today. Um, we see a lot of, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. You see a lot of programs, a lot of different things, but you see a lot of things within the church that keep people in the church. <laughs> and it doesn't, uh, they don't ever get outside the four walls and they don't put into practice what they're learning and what they're reading about in their Bible when they leave that church out in the communities that they live in and at their jobs. And uh, they don't, they may not practice uh, gracious responses or humility. Uh, they may not deny self. Uh, they just don't do those things because um, that's just something that isn't really in a lot of churches um, doesn't have, isn't placed real high up on the, the hierarchy of things anymore. It's, we don't want to lose people. <laughs> we don't want to lose, uh, we don't want to have the seats empty. Uh, we don't want to lose those contributions. We don't want to, there's a lot of different right. things that are, that are playing into all this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think a lot of these things we talked about, the restrained strength, humility of heart, abundant forgiveness, gracious responses, denial of self. This is a great episode. These are great. These are meaty things that are, I, I think these things mm -hmm. are meaty. Uh, when it comes to the word, there's so much scripture that you can find about these four or five things, but they're so simple. They're so, you know, when you read about them, you're like, oh, that's pretty simple. It's just not always simple to implement them in your life. It takes some effort to to do that. So I think that's what we need to tell our, our listeners here. That's what, that's what um, the message that probably needs to be going out here is that they need to be like you said, self-examination, check yourself, look at your life, read some of these scriptures, read about restrained strength, read about humility of the heart in the Bible, read about those things. Do you have abundant forgiveness? Read about the fruits of the spirit and just say, is that me? Would, uh, would somebody that I don't get along with at work or out in, you know, outside my family, if it's somebody that I just traditionally really haven't got along with or whatever, and we don't really like each other, would they say that about me? Would they see that in me? If they don't, you know, we're, we're missing the mark somewhere. We're, we're, we're falling short somewhere. Right. So, well, you got anything else to add, man? Do we miss anything? I'm talking about the, uh, just the way we deal with things. First, First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. I'm going to read it out of the NASB. It says, "But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect." The ESV says, "But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it." with gentleness and respect. I got the NASB 1995 and mine says, uh, with gentleness and reverence. And I have a little note next to it where it says, or fear. Yeah. My, my King James says, 
with meekness and fear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I also have a, a cross reference for that one. First Peter one seventeen. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. So, you know, gentleness, reverence, fear, we need to be, that means you need to be aware of, of consequences. You need to be aware of who you were, where you came from. Those are Don't very, forget where, where, where God has delivered you from. Man, that's that's the big thing right there. It's just I can I can look back and I remember exactly where I was during bad times and you know thought I was gonna die and all these other things. I mean, there was some bad times in there, but I can look now at where God's brought me and I've come through that. And you know, I sit here and wonder all the time. I'm like, man, I sure didn't deserve where I'm at now. I sure did not deserve exactly. that at all. I didn't deserve anything but wrath. And um, it's just, it truly is amazing what he does for us. And I think we do, we we tend to take that for, for granted a lot. I don't think people think about that a lot. And it's like you said earlier, that's important. We should be thinking about that every day when we pray. Every day, we should be thanking mm-hmm. God, not just for who he is, but for what he's brought us from and where he's brought us to. Exactly. He's, he's the one. I mean, it's it's crucial. Christ came and died, bro. Christ came and died so that we could be reconciled to the Father. Are we willing to die to self to share that love with other people? that they may be reconciled to the Father. And if the answer is no, you need, you need to spend some time with God. Absolutely. You need That's... to spend some time with God because we're, we're going to be one of two people. We're going to be the tax collector in the temple or the Pharisee of the temple. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be an eye opener for a lot of people, man. We're and that's absolutely right. Are we willing to? Are we willing to share these things? Are we willing to show these things in our life and not be embarrassed about them? And and um, that's that's what it all comes down to in the end. Um, you know, people just have to realize they have to be thankful, and they need to. Once you're thankful, once you realize what you've come out of what God has brought you through and what you, where he's placed you on this pedestal instead of punishing you, uh, you know, eternally. I mean, you really need to start thinking about that and be being thankful for that. So that's, that's a big deal. So, man, that's all good points. A question right there. A question is, does the, does the love of Christ compel you to love the unlovable? That's that's it right because there. Because at, w- at one point we were unlovable, right? But the love of the Father compelled the Son to love and to sacrifice, to lay His life down for us. Does the love of Christ compel us to love the unlovable? And if it and, and if it doesn't, I would dare say we don't know just how much. God has delivered us from. Right. We just don't know how much God has forgiven us. We just don't know how much God 
loves us. If, a, if, if the love that we claim to have doesn't cause us to go beyond ourselves, it's not, it is an agape. Right. Yep. All great points. All great points. Well, guys, I hope this has helped you, whoever's listening to this podcast. I really hope this has reached out and, and touched your heart and helped you. And, and uh, you know, if, if that's you that we've been talking about on here and you've been, you're realizing now that, you know, you need to do some, some self-examination. That's, that's a good thing. You know, you've, it is. you've, uh, Embrace you've, the conviction. yeah, you've been convicted. You've realized something and you're going to do it. You, you need to do it. I, I would highly encourage you to do it. Um, just, uh, stick with it and, um, be honest with yourself, be honest with yourself, be honest with others around you, be able to take, um, you know, if you're talking to somebody and they see something in you, it may seem like criticism, but you know, if it's another brother or sister in Christ, they're talking to you about that because they love you. You need to be able to understand that you need to be able to, to take that and, and understand what to do with it. And if you don't have a gracious response right then you need to wait, think about it, pray about it, go back and talk to them about it later. So, uh, lots of things, lots of good stuff in here. This episode was packed with a lot of practical stuff, a lot of stuff that can just really help a lot of people. So once again, I, uh, I appreciate it, Jose. Great show. Absolutely, brother. Good Absolutely. job. Always, always a pleasure. Yes. I, I love sitting here with you and talking about the word and trying to bring practical things for people to, to think about and to look at their lives. I think that's the main thing about our podcast. We really want people to look at our lives and look at how to apply what they're reading in that book, in the Bible to their life and understand what that means and understand what his forgiveness means and understand that you were a sinner and where just where you came from. I mean, all these things are so important. So I'm glad we're able to, to sit and talk about these things. So any closing words? I'm grateful for the burden on our hearts to share with people, bro. And, and you know, in the words, in the words of old brother Ray dancing in glory. Yep. Take inventory of your life, man. That's right. Take inventory of your life. Is what is there pleasing to God? If you don't know the answer to that, I'd almost answer for you and say no. Right. Strong words, but yeah, wise, just, wise just words. Honest, honest, be honest with yourselves. You know what I mean? Because it's not, you can't be dishonest with God. You can only be dishonest with yourself. Have a real conversation. You know, it may sound funny, but have a conversation with yourself. Take inventory of your life. Take an inventory of your heart. We're not hi- we're not hiding anything yeah. from God. We we may think we no. are in our hearts, but trust me, friend, you're not hiding anything from God. He knows everything. He knows all your thoughts. He knows all your feelings. He knows all of that. You're not hiding anything from him. So it's best just to to start that relationship if you haven't done it. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. Find somebody around you that's a a solid biblical Christian, somebody that's walking that walk, and and you can see it in their lives and talk to them about it and and uh, seek other Christians, seek people that are like minded to be around you and and start soaking that in, start reading the Word, uh, get in there and get after it, man, because time is short. So stop fooling yep. yourself. 
and just get real, uh, get real with God, get real with yourself. So that's a great message, Jose. Good stuff, brother. Yes, sir. All right, guys, we're going to close out this episode. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing next. I think next episode, I think we're going to flip back to some attributes, the attribute series. Attributes of God. Yeah. So we'll decide which couple of attributes we're going to talk about. We'll announce that later and that's what we'll work on for the next show. But for now, that's the end of this show. This is the end. (laughs) It's a wrap. So guys, thanks for joining us. As always, we appreciate it. We love you guys. We hope you're, you're blessed by this. Uh, just reach out to us. You know, you can find us on, on Facebook, heavy as the crown podcast. Just give us a shout. Uh, Jose. Thanks brother. I love you, man. Love you, bro. All right. You guys have a great one. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for joining us for this episode of heavy as the crown podcast. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit the website at heavy is the crown podcast.com. Join us next time as we search for more truth, and work to prepare you to advance the kingdom.